welcome to this week's edition of the MobileCast, and I am in sunny San Francisco this week, and I am sitting down with Eric Cowperwaite, and I hope I said that correctly, he's going to correct me in a second, I'm sure, from Providence Health Services, where he is the CISO, and we're going to have a fun conversation about consumerization of IT, and we'll just see where it takes us for the next half hour. So Eric, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Thanks, Brian. So I'm, like like Brian mentioned, I'm the CISO of a large healthcare organization, Providence Health. Um, actually, we have a couple other interesting bits to our business. We're 32 hospitals, but we also have uh, a liberal arts university and uh, in a private Catholic high school and some daycares. And uh, so, so life's a little challenging. It's not just one industry. Um, and your history before you joined Providence Health Services? Uh, before that, so I worked for EDS for about a decade, Electronic Data Systems, which sadly uh, doesn't exist anymore. It's now HP Enterprise Services. Uh, and then before that, I spent uh, 11 years in the U.S. Army. So you actually had a fair amount of exposure to security, and uh, you're probably coming at consumerization from a slightly different angle than some other people. Yeah, that's probably true, and, and um, I would tend to say I've been in the security business for my entire adult life. I mean, you know, standing on the West German border in 1985 with a rifle, I think, counts as security. Uh, I, I would hope so. Yeah. So, you know, so that's what I've done my whole life. But I don't. Uh, but but I'm not really an IT security guy. That is, I didn't you know like grow up in the corporate IT uh, group as and, and start out as a firewall administrator and do antivirus deployments. That really isn't my background. My background is in how to secure big things, whether that's uh, you know during the Cold War or it is as a uh, professional services guy with EDS trying to help customers figure out their security issues or now as a CISO where I'm at. Uh, you know, the focus has been, uh, for lack of a better term, the business aspects of security, not how to make antivirus work. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I know a couple of CISOs and a couple of CSOs, and, you know, your background really is so much different than most of theirs. Most of them grew up in the IT security industry. And, you know, I think as we get into it, we're going to see a little bit more of how that changes how you approach yeah. things. I mean, you must deal with a lot of um, CISOs and sure. CSOs. Do you find that your opinion diverges somewhat from there? Um, you know, I think the, the area we're about to talk about is where it gets really divergent uh, in terms of mobility and consumer devices and uh, consumer uh, focused cloud services. Um, the interesting thing is the further the further up the security food chain you go. So, if you go sit down with uh, a security officer of of uh, big Fortune 500, you know, say up in the up in the top 100 slots sort of space, uh, you know, uh, Costco, for example, or um, General Dynamics or those kind of companies, these guys are business leaders first and foremost. 
those companies don't bring people to that level um, who are not focused on how to make that business successful. I, I have to agree because, you know, I think that one of the things that we see, you know, I work in a big company with 110,000 people, and, you know, sometimes our focus is less on the business and more on securing things. And, you know, then the business and security sometimes just, you know, they knock heads because, yeah. you know, it's, wait a second, we have, we have all this money on the table, and you're telling us we can't do something, and it's more, it's less risk analysis and risk mitigation, right. and it's more, well, we need to secure everything. Yeah, it's a, it's a we need to secure everything, and it's a, um, we forgot that what, whatever your business is, my business happens to be providing service, medical services to sick people. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you break a leg, you want to go to my emergency room and get taken care of. That's my business. What I do within that business is provide uh, information security services. But my business isn't providing information security, it's providing health care. So and, you can't forget that. And really that's an important distinction. So, you know, now that we've kind of laid down the uh, background, you know, we're actually here at the site conference, which yeah. is the consumerization of IT in the enterprise. And, you know, we actually heard a really good comment this morning from um, Kevin Jones mm -hmm. from Nassau Goddard. And, you know, his comment, which I really liked, was we need to take the IT out of consumerization of IT in the enterprise and really talk about the consumerization of the enterprise. Right. And, you know, knowing that, you guys at uh, Prominence Health Services have done, you know, you guys have rolled out iPads, mm -hmm. you've done a bunch of stuff, and, you know, let's start at the beginning, because you told a great story on stage yesterday about, you know, how you knew it was mm -hmm. time to start looking at tablets yeah. and devices and how you knew when it was there. So why don't you pick it up from there? So, okay, so here's, here's uh, set the stage. You know, all large companies have um, annual executive conferences, right? Everybody who's a whatever particular level in the company and above goes to these conferences and and you set the you you roll out what's the strategy for next year and here's the thing you know here's the cool things you need to know that we're doing and you know the yeah, it's simple yeah we all do we do it i don't know anybody who does it right so uh in so 2010 when everybody you know this is a mobile cast so you guys all remember ipad and you know when the iPad came out, my kid told me, I don't know why you're so excited about it. It's just a big iPod. I was like, well, yeah, that's the point. Right? <laughs> but anyway, so that was in April, right? iPad comes out in April of 2010. And our executive conference that year is in October. So it's only five months later, right? There's about 165 executives in Providence, uh, people who make that executive cut level and, and I walk into the room the conference room and sitting at all the tables are about 80 of our executives with iPads so over 50% of your executives walk into a conference with something that nobody said they could do should do anything else that's right and it's only five months after the iPad came out remember this is not today when everybody thinks an iPad is the cat's meow and they gotta have it this is 2010 when they're just starting to get adopted. 
So these guys, they all went out and bought it with their own money. They all figured out, and executives don't do this well, they all figured <laughs> it out how to get it connected to our email system, and they all figured out how to start working on them because that was, you know, for whatever the reasons were, better, faster, easier, like it, it doesn't I, matter. Yep. doesn't matter why because that's the point of consumerization, right, is that they prefer this as a consumer to, to some other thing. The point is, I walk in the room and half of our executives are using iPads, and I'm like, so. So then I promptly got my iPad out and sent an email off to my team that said, "We need to figure this out because uh, if we don't figure it out, they're going to figure it out anyway. If we don't get on this uh, on this horse and ride it, they're going to leave us behind." They're going to do it anyway. I'm, I'm impressed that it wasn't the CEO walked into the room because, you know, we, we've had a lot of those where, you know, and I've heard lots of stories, but, you know, we've seen some of it ourselves. The CEO, whoever it happens to be, CFO, right. walks in with a device and says, make it work. Right. And nobody wants to say no to them. But, right. um, you know, it, it's interesting that you talk about they made it work. And I think that, you know, one of the things that resonates with me and I talk about a lot is, People don't go to these devices because it's harder for them to get stuff done. Right. They go, you know, whether it's a phone, a tablet, whether it's a laptop, laptops are mobile as well. Whatever the device, they went to it because it makes their job easier. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, regardless of what you want the security stance or anything else to be, it's important that you don't make their job harder again. Because, yeah. that, you know, it's hard to put, once their job gets easier, it's hard to put that uh, genie back in the bottle. It, it, what, yeah, the other, um, well, we've said, I've said this in security and some other security guys too, that once you give somebody something, then taking it away later on is really hard. So uh, we were saying that about smartphones and email back, you know, probably about 2008 or so, right? Users had figured out how to connect their personal smartphone to Exchange Server. And the, and the guys running an exchange server hadn't really shut that down yet. This was pretty common across lots of companies. So you've Absolutely. given it to them. If you try to take it away, you end up with a rebellion. Pride out of my cold, dead yeah, hands. Exactly. And, and um, um, I don't think the IT guys understand yet how much rebellion there will what that rebellion will mean to them. Yeah, because, you know, you said in my session, you know, we kind of went back and forth yesterday between our two sessions, but, you know, I talk about legacy thinking. You right. know, it's the whole, whole piece of you own the device. Yeah. And, you know, if you're working with BYOD, owning the device just doesn't work. Because Correct. People don't, people don't want to give up their, people don't want to see their personal photos okay. deleted. Yep. People don't want you to necessarily want their privacy. They don't want you to know where they're going. But that doesn't mean you can't control your corporate data on the device. You can't protect it or anything else. Consumerization is going to, for, for all the reasons you just said, consumerization is going to finally force security to shift from the device to the data. We have fought and fought and fought that change, even though that's the obvious and important thing to do is secure the data. Why? Why do we, you know, put firewalls up and 
antivirus and intrusion detection systems and all this other stuff. It's not because we really care if you break a laptop. It's because we care about the data that's on it. That's why we encrypt the hard drive, right? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because data has always been the issue. Yeah. And we kept finding ways to say, oh, let's not worry about the data. We'll, we'll, because we own the laptop, we can encrypt it with yeah. BitLocker, you know, yeah. Safeguard Easy, whatever it happens we to be. This, we took this, com this computer security paradigm that existed, that came into existence in the 80s of basically build a castle and put all your data in the castle, right? And you guys can't see all my hand gestures, but they're entertaining. Uh, so we, he, he, he certainly talks like an Italian, so. <laughs> uh, but that makes two of us, so, you know. Half my family is Hungarian, so close enough. Um, um, so the, the, we took this um, paradigm that we created of back in the mainframe days of build a castle, stick your computer and your data inside the castle and all will be well. And we extended it first to the client-server environment and then we said, oh my gosh, now those laptops exist. we got to build a castle around every laptop. Well, now there's like 4 billion phones in the world. I, it won't work anymore. We're beyond the point where it will work. And, and you heard yesterday about the... Um, uh, the Internet of Things. Cisco talked about it. I don't know if you went yeah, to that. I, I went to this Internet of... Actually, they didn't call it the Internet of Things. They called it the Internet of Everything, which was... Yes. Yes, and it's the awakening of things, right? Well, I just bought a washer and dryer on Friday, and the washer Wi-Fi enabled. So it can tell you when it finishes the road? I mean... I, I'm not quite <laughs> sure why it's Wi-Fi enabled. I'm going to figure this out. But it, it'll be on the it'll be a thing on the Internet, right? And um, in the not-too-distant future, for some ungodly reason, your toaster will be Wi-Fi enabled. So there's the, you know, uh, um, the toaster will be Wi-Fi enabled, Right. I don't know why exactly, but it will be. Your refrigerator will be will be on the internet, and it'll have a LED panel in it, an LCD panel in it, and you can use it as a computer and as a television. And yeah, see, the refrigerator understands some right yeah. now, especially if we start using you know RFIDs or you know NFC or something on our. Um, you know, like it, when I put my milk in, if it reads right. it in there and it, it gets the expiration date and everything else that's right. part of it, you know, okay, that makes a little bit of sense to me because, okay, my milk's expiring, I'm in, you know, yeah. and if I have a contextual device and I'm in a supermarket, your milk's going to expire tomorrow, you may want to buy more. Sure. And, you know, that makes I'm sense not, to me. Uh, the washer, I think, will be able to send service data back to the manufacturer, that kind of thing. Or maybe they'll tell you you need more bleach. I don't really, yeah, I don't really know on that I'm one. not quite sure what that's all about. Maybe I can start and stop it remotely. Who knows? But the point is, everything is going to be enabled as a device, and as a device on the network. You can't build a castle around all these devices. You can't put it around, you know, how are you going to protect the washer and dryer and the toaster and the refrigerator and your smartphone? And do you know how many devices I have in my house? I mean, oh, not wow. counting okay. appliances and whatnot. Um, I have three MacBooks, an iMac, uh, four iPads, four iPhones, and three iPods. 
three iPod you're, touches. You're, you're, almost, you're close to me. You're not up yeah. to me, but you're close to me. The real O-N, a TiVo, an Xbox, and a PlayStation. I have three TiVos, so. Yeah, let's not forget all those guys, right? And, and I'm about to buy a Samsung Smart TV for up in the bedroom, right? So, I mean, this is an insane number of, of enabled devices, and you can't build those castle walls around them. So we've got to avoid that and get to the data and protect the data. And, and it's interesting because, you know, people started at the devices. Now they're moving, you know, we hear about mobile app, application management, right. ma'am, and they're moving to the applications because that's their new way to build their castle. It's closer and, to the data, which is good. Which is very good. But, you know, I've always said start with the data. Yeah. You know, build your protection around the data then move up to the apps, then move up to the devices. And, you know, we seem to reverse that. Let's go the other way. And it, it's much harder, but, it's, you know, it's a big step because people have to start looking at their data. And it's, well, we have too much and with big data and everything else. But you were actually, you know, so you had iPads coming in. Yeah. And, you know, the approach you took, I loved, and you know, I'd love for you to actually talk about a little bit about it because, you know, I tweeted out your um, quote from yesterday, and you know, we got some response, and you know, we had a little bit of a mm -hmm. conversation on it. But you kind of actually looked at the iPad very differently than you looked at a laptop. Yeah. So, uh, I, well, I think the first thing we looked at is we said, um, we we sat down and said, what are the um, controls that are in place on this device. And let's control that or compare that to the controls that we want in place on a mobile device in general. And pretty quickly we found the iPad has hardware encryption. It has the ability through policy to turn on and off passwords. It has the ability to wipe after X number of bad password attempts. It has the ability to make the passwords complex. Um, it can be remotely wiped. It can be geolocated. The applications are sandboxed. And so my team brought all this back to me, and I was like, well, isn't this all this stuff that we have been saying we want on our mobile devices forever from a security perspective? And you're telling me that out of the box I have all those things? What do I not like about this? And it's interesting because you don't get, the, you know, most laptops you pull out don't work that way. And we're starting to see some of that technology we're starting go back to, to the yeah. laptop. You, know, you can now buy, if you ask for it, a, a laptop with a, um, with a 3G chip on it that can, you know, do phone home type stuff. And, and, and you can buy it Intel with... Intel TPM. Yeah, and you can buy it with absolute CompuTrace for geolocation and remote wipe. and But those are still sort of... They're not embedded in the device. They're added onto it in some fashion, even if it's a piece of hardware. It's not intentionally created with absolute CompuTrace. Now, did right. you have some of the people in security come back and say, well... Yeah, that's what we've always wanted, but but now we want more. Yeah, now we want more. Yeah, now we want you. Now we want mobile device management. We want to actually, um, you know. And I was like, okay, but so to me, there were two things that came out of this, right? Or two two things that were going on. One is 
security people never seem to be satisfied. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that, that is a problem. We need to make it more secure. Okay, well, we need to make it more user-friendly, too. Um, but the other thing that seemed to drive that to me was this information security vendor ecosystem that has come, that has arisen. So instead of saying, hey, we have the security features we want, we can actually turn them on and off via Exchange ActiveSync, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, really. So you already have Exchange. You already have something that can yeah. do most, yeah. maybe not all of it, but can probably do 90% of it. Yeah. You've already got it. It's costing you nothing except some FTE time to do this. But the but there's this whole ecosystem around we're going to provide you with more features and we're going to sell you stuff that will meet the security requirements. I did the scare quote marks in the air. you know, <laughs> And, and, and um, you're going to buy this awesome new security product and it'll make you more secure than you were before. That entire ecosystem exists and it immediately saw opportunity around consumer devices with things like mobile device management, for example. And, and that's even extended. So now we see things about the fact that, you know, we help, it's no longer securing your corporate mobile devices. It's all about securing PYOD devices. They don't right. talk about corporate mobile. Right. They're, they're, you know, those are off to the side now, and right. it's all about, okay, BYOD, that's the big buzzword. So we're going to keep your corporation safe with BYOD. And it's like, Okay, but your product's the same product I had last month. And what? And and let's even think about this, okay? My corporate. So I'll use my company as the example. My corporate devices are used for, like, my hospice nurses and some mobile supply chain uh, type stuff. My BYOD stuff is used by executives, by physicians. Uh, and by staff, like back office staff. Which of those two groups of devices is more important to me? The ones that the hospice nurses and the mobile supply chain folks are carrying around that have sensitive corporate data on them, or the executive's device with, uh, with his email and a few of his documents? And that's, you know, let's not minimize the fact that if you have the right executive, they could have some interesting docs on yeah. it. But, you know, you can develop solutions for those yeah. people, and part right. of it is, you know, understanding where to go with that. Well, from a strategy perspective, I probably want to focus MDM on my owned devices, not my BYOD. So you've decided to do these devices. You've decided to let them in. Not that you have much of a choice. They're already in the program. We don't. We have 12,000 physicians who are not employed by us but who have the right to come in our hospital and practice medicine. Guess what they bring in the door with them? What makes their job easier? Something exactly. That, you know, yeah. I, I love the way you referred to it yesterday. and um, You actually got shocked on stage, which was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, so Eric and I talked afterwards, but Eric asked this question of how many of you have ever had to... Uh, deal with a physician in a hospital or a clinic or whatever and everybody raised their hand. Has anybody not had to do that? And one person actually raised his hand and I, Eric was not ready for that to happen. <laughs> That's like the first time. I, I changed how I asked that question today actually to avoid the issue uh, because everybody's seen a doctor sometime in their life. 
And so, but, you know, getting past that, what was the biggest hurdle you came up with? I know, you know, because I don't think, if I remember correctly, it wasn't security that you had to deal with. It was more you had all these devices and how to actually give them the service they needed where people were. Yeah, so the, the whole point was to provide um, a less computer. So, so we don't want a physician to be, or a nurse for that matter, to be like a clerk sitting at the computer typing, looking over to you to ask you a question, then going back to typing. But, and most people in the last few years have had that experience with their doctor or nurse or what have you. Um, what, we're, what we want to do is return to the experience you had when your physician used a paper medical record. They looked at the record, they set it down, they turned around, and they interacted with you. The consumer devices like an iPad give us that ability again. It's bringing the focus yeah. back to the interaction, yeah. not the device. While giving you all the power of the um, of taking what used to be on paper and making it electronic. And giving you the ability to look at data faster, better. And, right. you know, I, I don't know if you guys do it, but I, I know that there's at least one other um, hospital I've seen that does this that, you know, they'll actually put x-rays and tutorials on there so they can say, look, yep. here's your knee, let, you know, you're going yeah. in for an arthroscopic knee surgery, let's All this kind walk of cool stuff, right? How, or or uh, our physicians, when they're dealing with tough cases, like, you know, say, uh, cancer patients that aren't responding well to treatment, they want to be able to gather a group of experts and have them all look at the same thing and, uh, and, and make a collaborative expert-to-expert -expert decision about what to do with this tough case. They, this is not going to be very easy to do if you all have to gather around a single laptop, which has been the case in the past, where you are doing the traditional display slides on the wall or whatever, but when they are all holding an iPad and looking at the exact same thing and it's like holding a paper record in their hand, it really works well. So you get these eight or ten docs standing around consulting with each other and they can rapidly create expert-to-expert -expert collaboration. Now, you didn't talk about this yesterday, but I mean, um, let's go here. Um, are you looking at other consumer devices? So, for example, you know, you have these iPads and all mm -hmm. in your doctor's hands. Are you looking at, you know, for example, putting up Apple TVs in certain spots so they can, you know, shoot the big picture up there and, you know, make that gathering around a little bit easier? What, you know, they can draw on it, do that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think we've actually got some of that in our hospitals already without me even knowing about it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the reality. But, yes, the... We um, we really want to, so we have 3,000 physicians that we employ and another uh, about 10,000 that work in our hospitals as well. We want to take these 13,000, 14,000 experts who are spread out across five states and we want to enable them to collaborate with each other. And, uh, and so like... The thing we saw demonstrated last night where you buy this $500 panoramic camera that's Wi-Fi and cellular enabled and you can create panoramic uh, uh, um, 
telepresence conferences for 500 bucks was really cool to me. And that kind of thing where you could set that down in a patient room and have a have a telepresence um, that would enable an expert in Seattle and an expert in Portland to talk to each other and, and, and involve the patient, the patient at the same time. And uh, that kind of stuff is super cool. So we're going to see more, whether it's Apple TV or that thing. I forget the name of Astia was the okay. company. Um, we're going to see lots more of that kind of thing uh, because it breaks down the walls that separate our experts from each other. And so what do you start looking at? You know, being your position, you know, you're trying to enable the business but also trying to be secure about it. So mm -hmm. when these new pieces come in, you know, how do you handle them? Well, there's a couple of, th a couple of things. The first one is for, for things that you can predict that people are going to want, like online cloud storage, right? Uh, you know, Dropbox. To say the dreaded word, or, or actually in healthcare, the dreaded word is Google Drive. Yep. Um, we know that people are going to want those. There's, and we know that if we prevent them, they'll find ways around it. What happens when you tell your kid they can't do something? First thing they do is they do it. Exactly, and they do it without you looking. So they they're sneaky about it, right? People are going to be sneaky about it. They're going to try and get around your ban because they think your ban is silly. So the very first thing we're doing right now is, and have done, is pre-approving um, uh, cloud consumer services that we think people are going to want. You now I'm assuming you pre-approve them because you go out, you look at them, you vet them. It. Hey, you know what? It has it has identity management that allows it to. Uh, uniquely identify users and it has access controls that we can administer to control who gets access to which pieces of data um, and it has a logging and event reporting system and you know so it's got the stuff we think it should have um, so so service X Y and Z in the online storage arena are acceptable and, and we've pre-approved them and anybody in the company can use it and what's I think what's important to grasp from what you just said is you didn't pick one you gave you gave you still gave them a choice you looked at them you were trying to find stuff you know that they do and you know you vetted them and you pre-approved them but it was stuff that they would they didn't have to just go to box they didn't just have to go to dropbox right. or you know watch science whoever it is we were going for the 80 percent rule right these this choice will cover 80% of what in this particular space, whether we're talking online storage or uh, or HR services or you know whatever in the cloud services that people are looking for. We tried to make sure we hit about the 80% mark. And if the other 20% want it, they have to come to you. They for have to group. come ask. But you know so. what? They do come ask now because we're not establishing ourselves as saying no. And that's important, you know. Yeah. It's security, it's IT, everybody has to get out of saying no and say, okay, let, yes, let's see how we can enable you to do that and if it's the right way to do it. And, and I think the, the biggest reason for that particular perspective, um, why do you have to stop saying no? Because saying no is completely ineffective now. So, yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, I know another thing, I talked about it a lot in my session, and, you know, came up this morning on the panel you were on, 
you know, the easiest way to figure out what services to be looking at and what to be doing is what are your users? Go, go to what your users. users are doing. Yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll, they'll find a way. They'll find a way around whatever you ban, whatever you exile. And if they need to do something, they're going to find a way to do it. Go talk to them. Yeah. What what products? What tools? What services are making your life easier? And so then let's look at: Can we make something like that, or can we just use that, or you know what makes sense here? Because um, because people at work aren't doing this stuff to break your rules. That's not why they're doing it. They are doing this stuff uh, in order to be able to do their job efficiently and easily and better and stronger, and that's their goal. Their goal is to do their job, not to break your rules. So go look at what they're using to do their job and see if you can't enable that. Yeah, I, the term is really enablement. How do you enable your users to get their job done yeah. better, faster, easier, right. whatever it is. Whether you, if you're part of your corporate shared services, whether you're HR or IT or information security or supply chain or you know any of those groups of people, your role in the company is to enable the people who actually do the business of the company to do it better. And was it during your session that it came up? Um, how you got legal involved and made it easier for them. I, it may not have been no, a session. No, it wasn't my session. Okay. Because somebody mentioned that one of the ways they got legal involved was they were coming at, they needed a policy to enable people mm -hmm. to bring devices. So they went to legal, and legal said, wait a second, can we join that pilot? Yeah. And, yeah. and it, nice. you know, they were much happier to help you write the policy because right. they wanted to be part of the policy. Right. And you know, when you work to enable people, Everybody wants to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just have to remember. One of the things that I believe both IT and InfoSec forget, we're not here to run IT or security or whatever. We're here to, we're a shared service that was instituted in order to enable the people who are actually earning the money of the company to do that function. And we're completely on the same page, and you know I know you have a plane to catch. And, yeah. You know we've had we've had a good half hour here, so yeah. You know, as we're closing here, what's a final thought you want to leave? A final thought. Um, yeah, I like to put people on the spot. Yeah, that usually. Um, I think we are. So this, I believe we're in a fundamental shift in how things happen. Uh, Enterprise IT as we've always known it will not exist in three years, give or take. 100% agree. What we're now calling the consumer, uh, the consumerization of IT in the enterprise, in three years is just going to be called IT. I yeah, I tend to refer to it as the ITization of the consumer. Sure. Because you know a lot of times it's the consumers learning. You know, yeah. whoever thought it. You know. One of your users would go out there and know how to hook their device up to Exchange. Right. That was something that required someone from IT. You know, it's they would be able to figure out how to set up the audio conference or the video conference, and it's you know, so it's easy to see where it's going. It, it I mean, just to kind of continue to finish out that thought with an example. In 2008, we um, purchased and 
and moved into a new corporate headquarters. And when we did that, we put in uh, a world-class corporate conference center, and it had huge telepresence. Every single conference room has telepresence and yada, yada. And the cost was pretty high, but it reduced the amount of travel we had to do by about half. In 2013, you would never even consider that because you could, because you could put a big screen TV on the wall, connect an Apple TV to it, connect a computer with a, a laptop with a a, Mac, a, a MacBook, an iPad, something to it to the Apple TV, and voila, you had telepresence. You know, it, it, it's. I wrote a post, and I have to put it out there, but it's last weekend my daughter played in a soccer tournament, and I have two kids, and I couldn't make all the games. And one of the games, my wife just turned on FaceTime yeah. and flipped the camera around. Right. You know, and, you know, I couldn't see every detail, but I got to watch my daughter score. Of course, it was 80%, right? It was 80%, and it you know, was awesome to see him play, and, you know, I got to see the rest of the games, but it was just this one. And, you know, we actually did it for the grandparents. Yeah. And they looked in, you know, I won't compare one product to the other, but they, they used one product, a different product, to talk yeah. to um, my uh, nieces. Yeah. And they said, wow, this is great. I said, yeah, you realize that right now you're talking to me while I'm driving a car 70 miles per hour <laughs> over so Yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> it's like, nice. and this is a really good yeah. picture. Yeah. So, although they still have to learn to point the... That there's a little window with their face in it. I kept seeing my mother-in-law's forehead, but we'll yeah. work on that. Yeah, so. so that's the reality, I think, is yesterday we built huge corporate telepresence facilities. Today we'll just use the technology available to us at the Apple Store or the, or the Microsoft Store or the Best Buy or the whatever the Google store, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Eric, and making the time before thanks. you leave. And to everybody out there, um, thanks for tuning in. Please send suggestions, replies, questions, and anything you have. Um, we're going to post up Eric's um, personal blog, and we'll also post up his Twitter name. So his Twitter handle is E underscore his last name, which is <laughs> Calperthwaite. There you go. Um, I'm not going to ask you to spell that. I will actually throw it up there. But if you have any suggestions, anything at all, please reach out to us on Twitter, at the MobileCast. Um, follow us on iTunes. You can also um, follow us on the CloudCast mobile page, um, our big brother organization. So um, stay in touch. And until next time, we'll see you on the airways.